0: We strive for this perfection and it's just all baloney, but we're told we should give a you know, a, a soft shoulder to cry on or a landing pad for someone else. But like, who is telling us to do that for ourselves? I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg.
1: Welcome to Nine to Five-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each
2: week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know.
1: Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. It's
2: Carly. Today, my guest is award winning actress Kristen Bell. She has performed on Broadway in plays like The Crucible, rom coms like Forgetting Sarah Marshall and has starred in TV shows like Veronica Mars and The Good Place. You might also know her as the voice behind one of our Upper East Side favorites, Gossip Girl, and Anna from Frozen. When she is not acting, Kristen is hard at work on her business, Hello Bello, which brings affordable and high-quality baby products to parents. And she is a children's book author. Her latest book, The World Needs More Purple Schools, is out now. Kristen, welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, I feel like you, you've got quite the resume, and I'm like, I don't even know which project to, to dive in first on. But uh, we, we do love to open every show with our lightning round, which is quick questions, quick answers. Are you ready?
0: I'm the worst at quick answers because my brain takes so long to fire up, but let's see what we can get
2: okay, you know, we're going to be supportive and let you try your best, okay? All right. What was the first job that you got paid for?
0: Working at TCBY in Michigan on Woodward Avenue serving frozen yogurt. What's your go-to frozen yogurt order? I don't do frozen yogurt because I served many a yogurt where I knew that there were fruit flies in the (gasps) machine. So it's forever ruined it for me. (laughs) And we everyone didn't take a listening
2: great, to this. I know oh we God. didn't
0: take great care of that place. It's regrettable. And I think even some of the employees were like, oh, no, those are chocolate chips when people. Oh, my God. It. OK. I know. Sixteen year olds should not be left in charge of a business.
2: Oh, my gosh. All right. I barely might throw up.
0: Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Finish. Extra this. protein. Yes. Extra protein. Finish the sentence. What best describes your workday? Working nine till three when my kids get out of school. Who is in
0: your most frequently used group chat? I mean, my girlfriends, for sure. We have, there's six of us that sort of potted together during the pandemic. And we are not only on like a group chat, but also on a Marco Polo chain, which is like the video group chat, which I love. And we do it all day, every day together, just like random snippets from our day.
2: Are you like an instant reply person or are you like... And the next day, oh, sorry, guys, I forgot to respond.
0: I'm incredibly inconsistent. So sometimes I respond to every single one. And other times, if I'm feeling like I need to put my phone down for two or three days, then you won't hear from me for a week.
2: You'll put your phone down for two or three days?
0: Yeah. I mean, I will check it in mid-morning when I need to return work emails that require end of business day answer, but there are definitely days when I challenge myself to just put it down completely. Because here's the thing that no one remembers about 2022. There are plenty of other things to do. We just forgot, like going on a hike or even watching TV, which is like, you know, a screen replacing a screen, but I suppose it's slightly more community oriented because you can do it with someone else. You can. I mean, I do puzzles, or I'll write, or I'll organize, or I'll, um, you know, look at whatever I don't know television show I'm working on in development, and and just sort of theorize about plot lines. But there's so much other work to do, at least for me, that doesn't involve my phone, and I I much prefer when my phone is down.
2: You sound so much more evolved than I am, but like I I, I aspire to that. Uh, <laughs> ability to do that.
0: No, it's not. I really, it's not like I, I fight myself on it all the time. It's not easy. It's just, no. I know what's good for my brain because no, you're totally do- right. Like I, I need to do yeah, that. It's like a clear dopamine deficit when I put my phone down and that's because my body is desiring. Like my body just had all these jolts of dopamine by like scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or something. And then my body wants to regulate me. So you kind of have a slump when you put it down. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just more interested in taking control of my like regulation rather than letting my phone be in control of me. That's all it is. You're giving me good motivation right now. You can do it. You can do it.
2: Thanks. <laughs> what is the last show you binge watched? Alone,
0: season eight. Hmm. Should I watch it? Good. Don't know. It. Without question, you should watch it. You should not be doing this podcast and okay. turn it on right now. It's so good. Do you know what it is? It's no. a reality show for um survivalists. Oh my God. So if you could only speak
2: in, as either gossip girl voice or Anna voice, what do you choose?
0: Anna, because that's just my voice. (laughs) Gossip girl takes like a lot of sass and, and, um, me to sort of, I don't know, really put on my judgmental hat and Anna's just my voice question. Are we in the lightning round? Yeah, we're
2: still lightning. I'm talking way too much for I the didn't want to tell now. you that, like, you're not like acing the lightning part, but like, your, oh, your answers are good. God. We just have to go faster.
0: Okay, I'm here.
2: No, it's fine. Okay. Rachel Bilson was on this show recently. She said you were one of her closest friends. We love talking best. to her. What is a fun fact about Rachel Bilson?
0: Oh, one time when we were in Africa together, she tried to push me over in a porta potty and almost succeeded. That would have broken come- any friendship. She thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever done. And I was <laughs> terrified. But then after I came out of the porta potty unscathed, we both laughed about it quite a bit.
2: <laughs> what is, you know, you've written a lot of children's books now. What's your, what was your favorite one growing up?
0: Oh, Are You My Mother? Hmm. Was the one I read over and over again.
2: What is a habit that Dax
0: has that you would love him to change? Well, we're in the lightning round, so I can't talk. I don't want him to change any habits, but he has a fair amount of ones that I think are baloney. For instance, he thinks people who wear eyeglasses are quitters, and he's trying to, (laughs) quote-unquote, train his eyes And in the morning, he wears a pirate patch over his left eye while he journals because his right eye is farsighted. So he's training that eye. And then when we watch Netflix at night, he wears that pirate patch over his right eye because his left eye is nearsighted. So he trains his left eye at night. And it's I mean, I I don't have
2: anything to say as response to that, but
0: I'm just you shouldn't. It's one of the weirdest things someone could tell you about their significant other. Oh, I got a habit I'd love for him to change. So he dips sometimes. And I'm looking over at his nightstand right now. And when he can't find a bottle, do you know what he'll dip into? What? My vase (gasps) that I put on his nightstand for decoration. I'm going to show it to you just because I feel like you need the visual. Can you see that white vase right there?
2: You guys, I can see that vase. That is not mm-hmm. something that he should have used. Dip.
0: I'll just walk over and it'll be full of dip spit. <laughs> oh.
2: That's like when you know you're like really settled into marriage. In oh, yeah.
0: And I'm like, honey, don't do that. He's like, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't find any other containers. At least it's not like a clear vase. Yeah. Could be worse. Well, that's why he grabs it, because he's, like, respectful enough nobody that wants, will know. nobody wants
2: to look <laughs> at his dip.
0: <laughs> well, I think this is a great transition
2: to get into the meat of our show. <laughs> okay, so you grew up in Michigan, and, and you were already acting on Broadway by the time you were in college. How did you like your younger self, think about kind of these very different parts of your life? Like one, you know, growing up in the suburbs and, you know, scooping frozen yogurt with flies into, into cups and another being on your own in New York and, and acting on Broadway.
0: I guess I never separated it. I separate it a lot now. Like I definitely have two different identities now. I have my home identity and sort of my public identity. But growing up, I never had big dreams and, and you know, a vision board. It was sort of a slow progression of one foot in front of the other. If you do this work, you'll be qualified for this type of job. You know, if you study theater and you work on your voice, you'll be able to be qualified to audition for this type of show. And then you could be seen by this person. It was a very slow and steady progression And when I was in Michigan from as long as I can remember, and I love Michigan, by the way, we go back all the time, but I did know in my heart, it wasn't where I wanted to live. I was desperate to be around more theater, desperate to live in New York. I wanted to know drag Queens. I wanted to live in the TKTS line to see every show possible. I just wanted that lifestyle. So staying in Michigan for college never even occurred to me. Just before you went to college,
2: your mom sat you down for a really serious conversation. It sounds like you really changed a lot of how your life would unfold and talked to you about the mental health struggles that ran in your, your family. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that story and that conversation?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like, I don't know if... I don't know where science currently stands on it cuz some things certainly run in bloodlines some things can be genetic and then some are environmental and some are you know sort of a who knows situation it's a grab bag of genes right but my mom had struggled with it and so she you know she could only speak from the heart she's also a nurse and she said hey by the way if you ever start to feel unlike yourself, the world is too heavy. You don't want to get out of bed. You're anxious about everything. You feel like you're in a cage inside your body. All these things that people can sort of describe with depression or anxiety, because she had felt that. She said, just so you know, talk to me about it because there's a lot of things that someone can do. And she also said, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, endorphins and dopamine for exercise. You can talk to someone, talk therapy is great. She also said, don't ever... Feel the shame stigma around if you have to take a medication because for some reason people evaluate mental medications differently than they do physical medications, but they're the same thing. And what she said to me specifically was you would never deny a diabetic their insulin, right? Uh Like you would never say, just digest that sugar. Come on. You know? Of course. Yeah. If someone's suffering from anxiety or depression and they are evaluated by a professional and they happen to be prescribed a medication, don't sink into some category where you feel less than. It's amazing to think about what a gift that conversation
2: was for, for, you know, one at that time and two, like I assume, you know, at that age as you're kind of just entering adulthood to sort of preempt a lot of things maybe you were already feeling or or stigmas that maybe she knew you might face. How did you digest that? How did you then go into the professional world
0: with knowing all of that? What's weird is I didn't I I didn't think much about it at the time and I don't even think it was a very formal situation. My mom was very honest about a lot of medical stuff growing up. I mean, I do, you know, she, she bribed the mortician and brought in three human hearts to my science class when I was in 10th grade. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, she's yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, she was also a cardiologist nurse. We don't have time to like really talk so much about
0: that, but I, I, we might have to have you come back. (laughs) Okay. But it's a, it is a fun fact, but, um, I didn't think much about it at the time. And she was just trying to equip me with the tools that I needed to leave the house. But that was like... Her zone. Like she was such a born nurturer to a, a degree that's overwhelming sometimes. But, like, I remember she had also like packed me like a sewing kit and with teeny tiny little things if I needed to mend my clothing with like instructions on how to, like, you know, mend something just to like, I, I remember leaving the house with all of these tools because she had taken so much time to prepare me. So, by having that conversation, it was just one of a thousand things that she had done. I remember she also sent me with like this huge box of letters and I was like, mom, I don't have room. And they were closed, sealed letters. And it said like, for when you're distressed, for when you're overwhelmed, for when you're sad. And they were just like notes from her. Um, Yeah. So I didn't put much emphasis on that conversation. And my anxiety and depression never, my anxiety never showed itself in my performing. It was actually started much more with my personal life and just feeling these waves of depression. And when I was probably my second year of college, and then I remembered what she said and I called her and I spoke to a psychiatrist and I was very grateful that my family had that open line of communication, that it wasn't I'm most grateful for the fact that it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. That it wasn't a uh-oh, let's get a family meeting together. Kristen's got a problem in her head like I didn't feel less than because my mom was like, "Yeah, and if you'd broken your ankle, we would also just send you to the ankle doctor." Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a sort of it's not um that dramatic. I think, you know, I'm listening
2: to you talk and I'm like thinking even in my own life and in in the last few years, especially, it's so commonplace for, you know, everybody's like, I'm so anxious. Oh my gosh, I'm so anxious. And that that's, that's a thing that we just say in the same way that you're like, you know, I'm tired. And it's almost like filler sometimes. In many ways, that's not something that people used to be as open about Mm
0: -hmm. at work,
2: especially. And you've been very public at least the last five years or so talking about like, these are things that you have dealt with um, and and continue to deal with. Talk to me like just how, how you used to treat that, like at least in a professional way. Like, you know, when was the first time you remember sharing with colleagues or a boss that, Hey, like here's something that I'm struggling with and I might be off today.
0: Hmm. It wasn't until, until I shared it publicly with the world. I think that even though I had a mom who prepared me as best she possibly could, I still kept it behind closed doors and for the bulk of my professional career definitely separated who I was. Like I was this like bubbly and I mean, I am bubbly a Mm -hmm. lot of the time. It's like Dax is really the only one that gets the me that wants to stay in bed for a while or the me that's very anxious. Like he's really the only one that has to deal with it. But I remember exactly when it was and it was because of him. And he's really encouraged me to do so many things that are more authentic in my life. But I was at the tail end of two different press tours. I had done so much press over the course of two months, I felt completely talked out. And I had told every fun story that I could think yeah. of. And I was like, I'm empty. What do I do? And I also said, I can't talk about like my craft because I'm not even really sure what it is. And sometimes when actors talk too much about craft, I get a little like nauseated. <laughs> that's just me. And that's that's on me. That's my judgment. <laughs> um, Doctor's like, why don't you talk about your anxiety and depression? And like, I stopped in my tracks because I realized I never had And then I was overwhelmed with guilt and shame for my personal level of responsibility that I had not held myself to, to have been this girl that supposedly affected young women and young people Mm -hmm. through Veronica Mars and all these things when I wasn't being truly and wholly honest about my struggles and my story. So that's what I talked about. So I was able to really talk about it for the first time. And then I started just getting this flood of like letters and social media responses. Oh, thank you so much for saying that out loud. No one ever does. And I was like, oh, well, this has to be my thing now then. I have to be able to make people who are feeling similarly more comfortable just because they know someone else out there is feeling it.
2: I remember reading at the time when you started talking about it. And and I also was like, wow, like I wasn't expecting that and really appreciated you doing that and i say that as somebody who also suffers from anxiety and has always kept that very private especially in a work setting and especially like in a way where i'm like there's pride in being able to like kind of carry on you kind of work through it and like nobody needs to know your shit and like you show up and do your job and also at the same time being very comfortable and embracing of other people talking about their struggles but like mm-hmm. don't want to get too personal talking about my own
0: That's human nature though, right? We strive for this perfection and it's just all baloney, but we're told we should give a, you know, a a soft shoulder to cry on or a landing pad for someone else. But like, who is telling us to do that for ourselves? Do you feel like you showed up at work differently once
2: you started kind of talking about these things more publicly? (sighs)
0: I think I showed up everywhere differently. I don't know that I would say it had to do just with work, Mm -hmm. but I think I became, I think that moment I realized what confidence and honesty were and that those were sort of my pillars. And I think those two things lead to your most authentic self. Confidence is not coming in when you're, you know, your shirt is clean and your head held high and you're doing all of your jobs respectfully. To me, confidence is like, Work situation. If you're in a meeting and it is dragging, somebody having the confidence to say, I love you guys so much, but we got to get this show on the road. And knowing you're not there to hurt anyone's feeling. Confidence is saying, I'm really, really off today. So I apologize. I'm going to be a little bit more withdrawn. And then going about your day. But it's like giving people the information about you they might need in order to work in the same situation. Because hiding it People still feel it, you know, you can feel when people are anxious around you. So you got to lead with honesty and confidence and like, yeah, I have this. I have this. I have I have anxiety and today's a really anxious day for me. So is it okay with you if I leave 30 minutes early or is it okay with you if I just kind of fade into the background but I'll get all my work done? You know, yeah. Whatever you need to say. And I think I was um I was probably more empowered to say that at work after having admitted it publicly.
2: So, I guess we call you like a multi-hyphenate now. You have many many roles and you are a businesswoman with a lot of different responsibilities and different ways that you can show up in the, in those roles. And you're also known as this public as you said like very like bubbly kind of personality and, and just sort of make people smile like and and make people laugh and I think there's a lot of pressure with that. How do you sort of kind of find, I know I hate to use that word balance, but like how do you sort yeah. of find where you can kind of take on each of those hats while staying true to yourself and never
0: veering more to one direction or the other? Okay. It's kind of a complex answer. Number Go. one, I'll start with the massive privilege that I have by being able to say no to things that Very, very, very few people in the world have. Like, for instance, if today I was feeling like crazy anxious, I could say, Carly, I'm so sorry I'm not available today. And you would still want to do the interview, right? Because this benefits both of us. So, like, I am fully aware of like the unbelievable state of privilege that I sit in. I wasn't always there. So now I'll tell you realistically, what I do is sometimes I cancel things. I'm not afraid to cancel something anymore. And truth be told, I've faked it many a time. There's this pendulum, right, where we've all been semi-faking it for a while and hurting on the inside. And then you can swing so far where you're like, self-care, self-care, self-care. I need to sit in the bath all day. That's fine to do once in a while. And there are other days when you're going to feel like shit, and you got to get your ass out of bed and you got to go fake it at the meeting. And that's just what it is. And you don't need to come home and cry about it because that's real estate in your brain. You don't need to be taken up by the fact that you had a bummer of a day. I think that the ways I cope are I'm prepared. I know my body really well. I know I am prone to swings a little bit. And I prepare my body because I know how my body receives dopamine. By the phone, by chocolate, by carbs. And I don't like to rely on those things because they're not sustainable. But if I get up and I go on that treadmill or I go in a cold plunge, that 20 minutes of suffering, my body goes, ooh, she has no dopamine. And for the next five hours, my body's going to give me more dopamine, right? Like this is the science behind dopamine that like in truth, my husband has been discovering over the last couple of years. And it's why when you do like drugs or alcohol – It feels great for that time being, and then the next two days you're kind of depressed. Yeah. Your body's bringing you down, right? Purposeful suffering is very important in my life. There are certain times where I'm incredibly annoyed with people in meetings, whether whether I'm just irritable or they're not doing their job, and I fake it because I think kindness does come first. And I think I try to look at each of my endeavors like a true teamwork, like a community. So I'm not a good part of the community if I'm trying to break someone down. I'm a better part of the community and our team will succeed if I'm saying, okay, so how do you think this could be better? Because I feel like I'm looking at these numbers and they're not where they should be. Is there anything that you need to get them there? Or do you need more time? How much time do you think that you need? Is there anything this next go round that that could be improved? You know what I mean? Like empowering people as someone in a position of power, the most important thing is to hand out my power all over the place.
2: I feel very motivated right now. I feel like you have a very healthy outlook on all of this. And I'm literally sitting here thinking, what purposeful suffering do I do as I'm like looking at the like candy wrapper behind my
0: computer? (laughs) It's such an easy fix though, isn't it? It's such an easy fix. But I will say it's gotten easier, like especially since I'm in a marriage where my husband loves that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Like he loves, cause you know, he's a, he's in recovery. Mm-hmm. So he relied on the alcohol and drugs forever, but now he realizes he can actually manage his happiness, his mm-hmm. dopamine by purposeful suffering. I'm switching gears for a second. What made you get into children's books? I've always been drawn to kids. But having kids has made me recognized how infiltrating their brains with healthy critical thinking and some, a really good value system early on can set them up for life. And so when we wrote The World Needs More Purple People, my, one of my closest friends, Ben and I, it came out of a conversation pre-COVID where everyone was talking politics at the table, everybody, even all of us who agree. You know, it was just demanding and it was exhausting and we realized our kids were overhearing it and we realized we were presenting to them an adulthood in which you would have to choose a team. You want to be red or you want to be blue? And I certainly have a voting record that I'm sure can be looked up, but I don't necessarily believe that we need to be two separate teams. I think that the best work comes when there's communication and when each side is a little bit uncomfortable. And so, you know, purple was a metaphor to give kids a basis of choosing for themselves. The book is also not political at all. I'm just saying like, that's where the idea came from, because the reality is we thought, let's come up with like five pillars that nobody can disagree with, that every single person can agree upon. Like, work really hard, ask great questions, laugh a lot, use your voice and speak up when you need to. Nobody's like, it's terrible to laugh a lot. It's awful to, to work hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the final pillar, which is just be you in hopes that we could give kids a little bit more confidence about not having to be a lemming their whole life. I love the first book
2: and, and my nephew loves it. It's actually one of the first things I ever gave him. So uh, thank you for writing it. Can you skim what this latest book is about?
0: Yeah. So we wanted the world to expand into things that kids know. So the world needs more purple people turned into the world needs more purple schools. And it's basically just a positive story that encourages empathy in young readers, encourages them to share their voices and ideas and really embrace what makes people unique to learn more about the world we live in and uh, the people that we share it with. Well, congratulations. Before I let you go, I did
2: want to give a listener question today uh, from Sophie. And Sophie wants to know, how did you know that you were ready to pursue work beyond acting, like becoming a businesswoman and a writer?
0: Hmm. Good question. Sophie, I don't feel qualified. I barely feel qualified to act, if I'm being honest. I think... It wasn't out of a desire for more or building a business or a brand or anything. It actually came about by finding people that I loved creating with, whether it was cooking with them in my kitchen and we're both improving about some stupid story or goofing off and being like, oh my God, that's a really good joke. Oh, has anyone ever said that before? That's a really, really good joke. Um, I found a producer on The Good Place that I got along with so splendidly, Morgan Sackett. And we started a production company and are now working on commercials and television. And I think I only knew that once I found my creative partners, because personally, I don't think I would have been able to do it alone, which is sometimes different. There are people I know in Los Angeles that are brimming with ideas Mm-hmm. that just, like, need to get it out there. I was not one of those people. Well, I want
2: to just ask them the follow-up. Like, what did you need most of
0: out of a partner? Qualifications stronger than mine. T- truly. Like, in every venture I enter into, whether it's Hello Bello or Dunshire, which is the name of our production company, or developing with, you know, when we were developing The Woman in the House, I... Attempt to, and I learned this from Ted Danson, hitch my cart to the smartest person in the room. I find someone with better ideas than me, with more experience than me, and I say, How do we do this? I ask a ton of questions at work. I am not shy when I don't know how to do something. Like when I'm in business meetings with Hello Bello, my notebook is jammed full of like random acronyms that have to do with putting products on shelves that I need to look up later. No, but that's
2: that's how, I'm I'm like laughing because that's also how we started. Like we didn't know any business terms or acronyms. My whole notebook was acronyms.
0: Right. So I think I attempt to nuzzle in close to the smartest person in the room. And I think that if you think you're the smartest person in the room in any venture, you should check yourself because I I, for me, that's not the healthiest situation. I think that's a little bit dangerous.
2: I could not agree more. I'm going to go rogue, and I'm going to do three last lightning questions. Are you ready? You have one lightning, word answer. Lightning, Kristen, lightning. Lightning, One okay. word. Who is the last person you asked
0: for advice? Ben Hart, my <laughs> children's book author, my co-partner.
2: What is your favorite acronym that you learned for Hello bella
0: well, obviously ROI because you can use it in daily conversation. Return on investment. Like I'm gonna, um, I'll walk out to the gym and I'll say I'm about to go get some ROI on my time. Right, gains, yeah. muscle, etc.
2: Mm-hmm. Love an ROI. And last one, who should we have on the show next? Tignataro. Okay, can you introduce? Of course. Great. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Really appreciate you sharing everything.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nine to Five-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop-Cultured with The Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday.